What does it mean that Christ fulfilled the law and prophets? Thank you once again for giving us time and opportunity to spend some time in the pages of God's Word, consider some challenges, and sharing some thoughts. This effort is brought to you by the Congregation of the Bend Church of Christ. They meet at the building located on Highway 5, about halfway between Mountain View and Heber Springs. Please accept our invitation to come visit. You'll not find nicer, honest, caring people than you will there. Details can be found at bendchurchofchrist.org. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, think not that I am come to destroy the law or prophets, beginning in verse 17, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall not teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Oftentimes, Christ was accused of not obeying or going against this old law. In Matthew chapter 15, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do not thy disciples transgress us, or that is, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, this was not a part of the law, but it was a part of their law. Recalling that the scribes were those that were the copiers of the law and having written the law many times and the arduous task that was taken to get the copies correct, they knew the words as good as any. And the Pharisees were the sect of the educated individuals that were basically the lawyers of the day, legal experts, if you will, when it came to the law. And frequently they were questioning Christ in his view of the old law and how it appeared that at times he was not obeying the old law. The concept of the law was often in focus, and here Christ was appearing to go against it, and yet he commented several times about his mission not to destroy it, but the word was to fulfill. In Acts chapter 6, we read of Stephen, full of faith and power, doing great things in the midst of the people and those of the synagogue questioning him. Of Stephen they accused in Acts chapter 6, verse number 11, and they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Verse 11, they, again, they said blasphemous words against Moses and against God. This could be translated, you don't believe in the Old Testament. You're going against the Old Testament. Now, we've been accused of the same at times, and certainly we believe the Old Testament. But also note that Christ's coming changed the effect of that old law. He fulfilled it. Christ recounted many of the commandments as in Acts chapter 15, honor thy father and mother. He talked about the Sabbath in John chapter 7 and verse number 23, frequently going back to that old law. There's something interesting to know in Matthew chapter 5. Read in verse 18, we read a moment ago, Till heaven and earth shall pass away, one jot nor one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Even the least of what man might consider the commandments was binding, Christ did not consider any matter of the law as least or, or important and as some consider the New Testament today. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least 
in the kingdom of heaven. But who shall do and teach them? The same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Christ went right back to them and said, you're accusing me of not obeying the law, and it is you that have decided some of these laws are less than some of the others. The Old Testament had its limits. Man could not be justified through his obedience to the law of Moses, Acts 13, 39, and Romans 3 and 20. But the law did bring to light a number of things, in particular, sin. Again, Romans 3 and 20, and also in 7 and 7. It pointed to the coming of Messiah. And Paul writing to the church at Galatians chapter 3 that the law was our schoolmaster, our tutor, to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So certainly it has a purpose even today. He came to fulfill. That's a word we don't use that often. It simply means to fill full. The vessel had been partially filled, and it was filled the rest of the way. And once that vessel had been filled full, its purpose was completed. Its binding force, the law, would be resolved. One jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. And when all was fulfilled, then that binding vessel, the Old Testament, would no longer have that binding effect, that binding authority over the people. Yet it still could be that schoolmaster. We spoke a while back about prophecies that Christ fulfilled. Being born of a virgin, prophesied in Isaiah 7.14. In the town of Bethlehem, Micah 5 and 2. Known as Emmanuel, God with us, Isaiah 9 and 6. He had the ability to perform acts that went against nature, supernatural miracles, Isaiah 35. Isaiah 53 gives details of his death and the purpose being forgiveness of our sins. So many, many prophecies. We could look at the sacrificial system under the Old Testament and being that shadow or schoolmaster as it brings us to comprehend and understanding the shedding of blood by the Son of God. One sacrifice one time for all of mankind. We read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Now, when these things were thus ordained, verse 6 says, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, the day of atonement, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet manifest, while as the first tabernacle was standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. We read in verses 23, It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, the tabernacle, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself now appear to be in the presence of God for us. Christ filled what that sacrificial system involving the tabernacle started. The Old Testament has lesson after lesson on obedience, and we've talked a lot about this, Uzzah touching the ark, David, Bathsheba, remember Lot's wife? The lessons on collecting manna looking at the brazen serpent on a pole. Christ coming to fill the concept of obedience 
in his sinless walk on earth. The book of Hebrews, again, chapter 4, 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In 1 Peter chapter 2, for what glory is it, verse 20, if when ye buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. For even hereunto when ye were called, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Once the mission, if you will, the old law was filled, it was then replaced. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. That's verse 11. In Ephesians chapter 2. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, verse 15, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, the two, one new man, and so making peace, speaking of Christ. Colossians 2 and 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And then in verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. We also read in the book of Galatians chapter 3 in the New American Standard, why the law then? Why the Old Testament? It was added because of transgression, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But but the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, Christ, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor, we read earlier, to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under that tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And again, we read Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 a minute ago. Let's continue on there. Having canceled out the certificate of death, again, New American Standard, the degrees against us, we read in verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink in respect to a festival or new moon or Sabbath day, those binding old laws, things which were a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. In the fulfilling of the prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 31, he took the old out of the way that he might establish a new, perhaps looking at the old as the foundation, if you will, of the new. We go back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 8. For finding fault with them, he said, verse 8, 
Behold, the days will come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. For they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to my people. Where were those old laws? Well, some of them were written on a stone. The new laws in their mind and in their hearts. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, not just Israel and Judah, all from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their righteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Blood of bullets and goats could not do that. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. The law having a shadow of good things to come, Hebrews 10 and 1, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect or complete or mature or, dare we say, filled. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin, Hebrews 10 and 4. Then he said in verse number 9, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. And his final words on this earth as he hung on the cross, it is finished. God's plan, old and new, established patterns of obedience that set the groundwork for the coming of his son to build on those promises, prophecies, an everlasting covenant that would allow man to be perfect, mature, complete, that bloodshed beyond what the blood of bulls and goats could accomplish, leaving an example behind and where we are today with that new will, that new testament that became valid on his death. And we proclaim his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection by wearing his name underneath that new law as Christian. Our time is gone. Thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to visiting with you next week at this time. Until then, we bid you a very pleasant good day.